Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome to the State of Love and Trust podcast. It's Jason Carapesi alongside Paul Gillieri. Hello, how are you? What's going on, Jason? Not too much. Let's just get right into the heat of the meat. Um, the last two shows, we have spoken about Gigaton, reviewing that track by track. And while the studio offerings are tremendous, the Pearl Jam fan knows that the live show is really where it's at. Um, and we've been lucky since 2000 to have had pretty much every single show recorded, soundboard, mixed, the whole nine available to us, aside from some here and there, and we'll talk about that. But for the most part, pretty much every show has been available to us. But everything pre-2000 has basically not been available aside from what the band deems as to be vault releases. So we thought, well... There hasn't been a vault in about a year or two. We're kind of due for one. Let's try and figure out what we think our best pick for that would be. And I will lead off with you. All right. Uh, this is exciting. I'm a big fan of the vault releases. We've had a lot of good ones um, from almost every every era of the band. However, uh, we don't really have a great one from the No Code Tour. So... If I was given the opportunity to pick the next vault release from Pearl Jam, Jason, I've got to go with November 3rd, 1996, Berlin. I knew you'd say that. So they drop no code on August 27th. 1996 they do the um uh, the shoreline show right in mountain view bridge benefit and then they go to ireland for their european leg a couple of uh, weeks later they end up in in germany and the particular show here that i'm talking about berlin was actually a radio broadcast show it was broadcast on a variety of stations around the world in fact the band just really seemed dialed in. I, th- I think a lot of bands, when they do a radio show, they're, they're just hyper aware, you know, of that. And so just having that, that extended broadcast out there of their sound just kind of gives them the opportunity to, 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 you know, amplify and to augment the quality of the performance. I think typically what happens is the playing gets a little faster because they're so amped up and you, you do see that in this show. However, because it was a radio broadcast, uh, the sound quality is one of the, the better versions of, of tours that we have from that particular era. Ironically, the next night, which was in Hamburg, apparently, according to those who went to that show, I think two feet thick, they actually have some little snippets from folks who were at the shows. And according to reports from people who went to both shows, the band apparently was a little bit better, a little bit crisper. The second night there in Hamburg, I think the little quote here from Eddie Vedder, I'll read it out loud to you. He says, uh, we played a little show on the radio last night. I was just thinking that tonight's been so much more real. I wish we would have recorded tonight. 
Uh, well, you didn't, unless you did, in which case that will be a really interesting Vault show. I, I think, Jason, you mentioned you actually had that cut. I, I have an audience recording. It's it's good enough to rock out to, so if you want, I'll pass it along to you. Yeah, but, I would lo- love to hear it. But the broadcast show here from Berlin, I think, to me, you know, if, if the band says, hey, you know what, there, there's enough of that in circulation, we would have loved to have done the Hamburg show. We wish that had been the show that had been broadcast. Let's make that the Vault. You'll get no complaints from me but if the berlin show ends up being the show more than happy with that it's got a fantastic track listing um it also has uh, jack irons on drums obviously it's one one that didn't really get a lot of that in terms of touring from him as he was kind of on his last legs there as far as getting out there and 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 traversing the planet as a musician but the set list is killer man i mean you know just quickly zip through it here they open up with long road which is just the perfect song to open up a set back in that era. Then they went to Last Exit. They, they picked it up with Animal and Hail, Hail and Go. They kind of pivoted a bit to Red Mosquito. Then you get Jack coming in with In My Tree. They do some some great classic Pearl Jam with Corduroy and Better Man. Then they smash back in with Lucan. Then Stone actually jumps on the mic and says, hey, you know, I'm going to sing one. And we get Earlier mankind. than usual. Earlier than usual, yeah. They do a little hunger strike, kind of a tease, but they play a decent amount of it, and that kind of leads us into even flow, so we get some nice throwback there. You get Daughter with the typical tag, Jeremy. They bring it down a notch with Sometimes, pick it immediately right back up with the rearview mirror, and then uh, they finish that first set with Immortality Alive, and then they just hit it with, uh, with Blood. The encore brought Who You Are, which I thought was a really interesting encore uh, track to open with there. And then State of Love and Trust, Not For You, a killer version of Present Tense. Then uh, they got Leaving, Leaving Here, which is just a great B-side from that era as well. And then they, they finished the show with Yellow Leadbetter. So it's, it's a classic show, I think, in terms of set list from that era. And it's a show I wish that we had as a vault. Well, you picked a fantastic show. I've listened to that um, a few different times, and I've always thought it did stick out from that general era. Um, obviously the uh, radio recording helps you know it's tricky when you come to these pre-2000 shows because you don't know what you're, you're going to get you've mentioned before when talking about your live cut of the week how there are different grades to these audience recordings and obviously an FM broadcast is going to be one of the better options you know one of the easy choices here would be to say Atlanta 94 um, that mm-hmm. was one of those radio shows. I'm not going to say that before I get to my choice. Um, but you've, you've chosen a great show. Um, leaving here, not often played. Who you are, I kind of find as, you know, later on in the late aughts, 2009 through 2000, let's say 18 tours, you got a lot of that, you know, first song out of the encore break was softer kind of thing. So this kind of reminds me of that in a reverse kind of way, because obviously this happened well before we got right, right. You know, Eddie coming out by himself for a couple of songs first. But starting slow in an encore, you know, that's fine by me. And it, it's a really cool song because it, it feels so much closer to the album than a more contemporary version of the song, obviously because Jack is on the drums. Um, so I think your pick is fantastic. Um, we, we chose a a live cut of the week for in my tree a couple episodes ago from this show mm-hmm. so that just shows the the, the strength of the show for me my vault release should be 
Randall's Island, New York, New York, from the same 1996 uh, tour. Wow. The exact exact date is September 29th. Um, That was the second of two shows. Downing Stadium. Yeah, it's it's a, basically it's a it's a giant open field. Uh, I mean, on this weird little island just yeah, they, they had thirty thousand people there that day. Man. Massive crowd. I actually have seen um, the Warp Tour in two thousand at Randall's Island. So it's just this, this giant open grassy park of, of sorts, and just massive crowds can show up. Um, just a little east of Manhattan, and it was the second night of two. And from what I have read and what I have listened to, it's an absolutely epic show. I do it's have a, a three-hour show. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's it's a lot longer. Yours is just under two hours, and this one, according to my copy, is two forty-two. So, well, it was, what was the O three show? State um, State College and PA. Yeah, that, w- that was about three hours. Too, that was wasn't three. It? I think the because at the time Chicago ninety-five was the longest of its of its kind. Right. And then, obviously, as they have more albums, they were able to increase that length if they so chose. And this, at the time, was one of those longer ones. I think, yeah, until maybe State College in 2003, was this maybe the longest one. Um, I was kind of hemming and hawing because uh, the, I think it's three or four nights later in Hartford is a very epic show as well. Um, But the audio quality for me on that one is a little bit better than Randall's Island in on top of the fact that we have a lesser quality um, recording of the Reynolds Island show and the fact that there are some great stories from that show, you know, that tour, especially in that kind of two or three week um, time span, was big on uh, the show being kind of paused every so often for Eddie to calm people down. There were so many pits and so many people freaking out. Um, you got to remember, this is only five years into them being a touring band. So we think about them now as, you know, elder statesmen and you know, most of our most of the fans like us are, you know, we've got hurting backs and, and bum knees. <laughs> we're not we're not you know doing circle pits like we used to. But you know, ninety six, everyone's still relatively young and the pits were crazy. And you think about it, you know, in Randall's Island it's just an open field. So I can imagine it's pretty easy to sort that out. And Eddie stopped a couple of times to to make that happen. Um Sidebar, there's actually an instance where somebody threw up a, a Vetter for President t-shirt into the, into the, onto the stage and he holds it up and says, yeah, well, I smoke, but I definitely didn't exhale. Uh, that's obviously yeah. an homage to the Bill Clinton line. Right. Because that was an election year between him and Bob Dole. But anyways, a couple of nights later when they were in Hartford, the same thing happened again. Apparently it happened again in Charlotte and Charleston. That's to that. But from what I've read... You know, the Randall's Island show night two was one of the best shows of the tour, if not one of the most sought after shows. And after having listened to it, I have to agree. It's excellent. It's fantastic. It's long. The crowd is up for it and the band's up for it. And what more, what more could you want? That's great, man. It's it, it's a tour that I think is is begging for a vault release. So I'm, I'm hoping we get one soon. You're absolutely right. We, we have something from pretty much every other tour, major tour, that is. Except for no code. Let's yeah. get it out. Let's get a Jack Irons show in there, you know? We, we we deserve it. Jack deserves it. Jack deserves it. All right, moving on. And 
move on to a new segment called Over Under. This is where we choose a song, or actually I should say two songs, from an album, and we say whether it's overrated or underrated. So I will start things off, and we're going to start this week with, as you heard in the music there, Riot Act. Now, my overrated song, and by the way, this doesn't mean that I dislike the song at all, because I think it's a great song. My overrated song is Save You. Now, Save You has been played about 170 some odd times. It's a great song. I enjoy it. I think it's better live than on the record because there's a little more oomph in it. But I've heard it. And while it's fun, it kind of sits in that like predictable, I don't want to say dad punk, but like it's got that predictable kind of mid-tempo-y, you know, older Pearl Jam kind of feel to it. Uh, I will say when they played it on Letterman, it was great. But nevertheless, I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's a little overrated, according to the album. My underrated song is Half Full. That's now a I good s- one. Nice bluesy half- intro riff. Right. I say half full, and I was kind of hemming and hawing between that and Get Right. And I kind of went with half full because I think the lyrics really kind of hit me more now than before. And I, when it was written, it was written in the Bush era. We're in the Trump era now. And for me, those lyrics, 17 years apart, whatever it is, still resonate really well. And whenever you have a song that can allow Mike McCready to do his thing, you're, ha- you're going to have a great time. Uh, and if you saw, if you've ever seen this song live, at least on the 2003 Right Act tour, Ed would often take his Telecaster and then use the pick guard, which was mirrored, by the way, and use it to shine a light, reflect a spotlight on him onto the crowd as Mike's wailing. Hmm. So that isn't the studio portion of it, but I always think of that when I listen to the song on the, on the studio cut. So I think that's a very underrated song on the album. What say you, you know, man, I gotta be honest with you. I, I was, I took a stroll tonight and did you, I, I did. Yeah. It was, it's a warm night here in LA. So I, were I you social distancing? I was, I was, okay, I good. Was at least a hundred yards between any living soul. But, uh, as I'm taking this little stroll, I decided to just, just to throw riot act on, you know, and I just kind of sampled some songs and I got through the whole album. Obviously it was playing a little bit here and there from it, but it, this album has really aged well for me based on where we're at and what we're dealing with today. It's an album that's generally regarded by most Pearl Jam fans as, as arguably their weakest in the catalog. But um, honestly, there's a lot of really, uh, solid tracks on here. You know, there's not a lot that jumps out and says, hey, put me on a great hits list, but there's a lot of, of solid material on here that I think gets overlooked. Uh, however, one of these tracks did make it on a greatest hits compilation. Mm-hmm. And that track, Save You, is also my pick for most over overrated on the album. Uh, it's not that it's a bad song by any stretch of the imagination, but I remember when this album was being teased to us as fans, I believe we got Save You and Love Boat Captain, if I recall. Yes. That's what we, what we got first. And I was really concerned. I mean, I heard those two tracks, and I had the same apprehensive feeling that you had when you listened to Dance of the Clairvoyance before <laughs> Gigaton came. It's like, 
please tell me there's more. You know what I mean? <laughs> please tell me that there's something else out there. Which, I mean, on one hand, it's like I, I thought Love Boat Captain was really ambitious. And I, there's some interesting things happening in terms of integrating boom into the, the soundscape in the studio, which, which I appreciate. And I know it, the song is, is uh, kind of this... this Beatles-esque calling for well, for you, it's Ed, funny. You know? I don't mean to cut you off, but that's funny that you mentioned Boom because this is the first record that featured another member, so to speak, where there was exactly so right. much of a prominent. You know, Bruno and Brian played keys on a number of things before this, and there's obviously the odd musician here and there. But to have Boom really on who tours album, with them, who you know? tours them, and has since then, that's a bit of a bit of a twist. So it was, and so for that reason, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel the same way about love boat captain as i do uh save you but you know we get this greatest hits compilation and save you is on the upside right and it, it's on there and i'm thinking to myself is this really one of your greatest hits you know mm-hmm. what i mean it, it, it felt like well we gotta have something from riot act so let's just pick that one you know it, it, it was our single um it just doesn't it just do, it doesn't feel inspired as a song i think lyrically there's something happening there but it's Ed's just kind of mumbling through the chorus. You know what I mean? He's, it, it's almost like he, you know, he just can't get the words out. It's, it's, it's a bizarre delivery to be honest with you. Uh, so for, for a song that was not only a single, but also included on the greatest hits comp to me, it, it's, it's wildly overrated. The greatest hits uh, thing always cracks me up. I know, I know that came out in 2004 right. and it was just to appease Sony, but at the same time, it's like, Really? Yeah, I know that that that's kind of how I felt. I mean, it wasn't an album that I was excited to go buy. Obviously, when I say album, I mean the greatest hits comp because I knew the the context behind it. But this song, I just remember looking at it, thinking, "Really, exactly, like, seriously, you're throwing that one on there." Underrated, however, um, I do like it. Right, there's a lot of candidates on here. I mean, Ghost as uh, for me, I think is a song that's really grown on me. Mm-hmm. So has uh, Crop Duster. It was a song that I liked then and continue to like. Today, Thumbing My Way continues to be a, a beautiful little ballad. Um, I've always enjoyed Half Full and, and All or None, but the song that even then I thought was a, a tremendous standout and continues to be today is You Are. Uh, it's a it's a Matt Cameron song. That doesn't it's, surprise me at all. Based of course on not. Of conversation. I know, I know. Whenever Pearl Jam goes outside of the box, you know, whenever they color outside the lines, I always find that th- they do some of their best work. This song for me, just from from the, the the opening effects pedal that Mike has, that just kind of brings the song. I think it's Mike that brings the song in that way. I think it's Stone actually. It's is a, it Stone? It's a, okay, it's Stone. It's, what it is, it's like a drum. It's a drum machine pedal thing that when the drums are playing along, the guitar follows the balance, if I, if I right, remember right, correctly. Right, right. And, you know, you, you, you listen to it live. I feel like there's, there's two tracks happening in the studio, but you only get one of them when they, they play it live. And I think that second one adds an extra dynamic into that intro that's just not quite present live. But lyrically, I think it's one of the strongest songs on the album. And it, it, it's... it's a very underrated love song. I mean, it, there's a really powerful message behind the lyrics and it's uplifting. It's inspiring musically and sonically. It's so different than almost anything they had ever done up until that point. Uh, it, it's a kind of song that I could easily see on gigaton to be honest with you and say, Oh, this totally fits with what they're trying to do here. I could have seen it on lightning bolt. And so for that 
reason, I think it's a song that kind of stands the test of time, whereas some of the other ones kind of feel very rooted in in that period of time, you know. Uh, this one doesn't for me. So I've always enjoyed the track. I think it's it's my actually it's my favorite song on the album actually, and uh, it's a song that whenever they play, I get really jazzed up for. Well, you think about it. Um, you are as a song that when I first heard, I was like, "Well, that's weird." I didn't I didn't um, have the same reaction that I did to Dance of the Clairvoyance. I just thought it was different, and I was kind of thrown. But I've always, I've always liked it. I like it more than I even did then. I agree. It's probably one of my favorite songs on the on the album today. Um, and it's one of those songs off Right Act that, you know, songs off Right Act aren't played that often now live at all. But of the ones that are, it's one of those. It's like it's like that and Save You, for the most part, are the ones, if you hear Right Act song, you're going to hear probably one of those two songs. And it holds, even though it sounds different live than it does in the studio, it still sounds really cool. So I think I think you hit it out of the park. Yeah, it's it, it really is a great song. All right, moving on to our lyric of the week. This week's selection comes from The Fixer. So for me, Jason, this lyric is very prescient. It's very prominent. It's very needed right now. Uh, we're in the midst of a lockdown still. And uh, these lyrics, I think, are very positive. They're very much about um, bringing people together. You know, I looked up at the sky when I was taking a, a walk this afternoon. And, you know, I keep seeing these planes going over right in, in, in the sky with a little... Uh, mm. I saw that too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, stay strong. We can get through, through this together and so on and so on. And these lyrics to me in this particular song, this was a, it, it was an oddly positive song from Pearl Jam. I remember people listening to the song saying it felt out of character because of how positive it was. Even lyrically. the music sounded positive. Even the music was, was positive. Yeah. I mean, they've had upbeat tracks before but there was usually like a a sardonic quality to the lyrics or or some type of a a political statement being made whereas i feel with with this it it was had far less to do with social commentary and it was just simply a song about you know being positive and we don't get that a lot from the band back then Uh, this was kind of a turning point i feel for the band and uh, while it's not a song I necessarily love off the album, lyrically and in terms of, of its place on the album and at the time it was released and how relevant those lyrics in that song I think are today, uh, it just seems to resonate. So for that reason, I thought it was an appropriate lyric of the week. And uh, it, it's not the strongest track on the album, but it uh, it definitely will always be remembered for its place on the album. So... When I first heard this song, I believe it was the music video. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like a Target ad. Or there was, it was some sort a Target of like ad. co-branded something or other. And I thought, wait, this is like a positive vibe. And the lyric you picked out always kind of sticks out because it's almost like the peak of a of a 
you're like you're hiking a, a positivity trail and you get to the yeah. get to the crest there and you're like oh yeah there it is because the, yeah the whole thing is like you know it comes back to our first episode with leash like i'm by your side i'm with you yeah that kind of vibe and the dichotomy of those two tracks yeah i mean <laughs> joel my i mean they nuts. come from completely different points to get to the same message almost sort of but yeah very very positive a matt cameron track and was it not one of the first major contributions from him? I think it might have been actually one of his his biggest contributions. Yeah. I mean, there's a demo out there with with the music. I want to say he had an entirely separate set of lyrics for it, I believe. Or maybe I'm thinking of You Are, but uh, I'd have to go back and dig that one up. Well, nevertheless, it's it's those are great lyrics, and they are very poignant for today. Um, and like like you said, I, I saw those sky runnings as well and, and it, it 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 absolutely fits um especially for where we are um so i'm actually interested then to listen to your live card of the week ready to stand up of all the versions of this song i think the one that stands out the most to me is the one featured on october 28th 2009 that track comes from the philadelphia show the spectrum and as you know the band closed down the spectrum it was an epic show epic enough to warrant its own release and i feel when you listen to this track that it really seems to encapsulate the positivity and the high energy of the song. Um, it's hard to find versions of some of these tracks, especially in the Backspacer and Lightning Bolt and so on in our current era, because every release, as you mentioned, is, is basically put out there in soundboard high quality for the fans. And you know, trying to find the best version necessarily has far less to do with sound quality and far more to do with, you know, the relevancy and the context of the performance and the, the energy in the crowd and so on and so on. But you really kind of get all of those ingredients wrapped up into one with this particular performance. Uh, it was an iconic set to close down such an epic arena, I think, is, is, is a special moment. The band seemed to take great pride in it. I think they went into that, uh, that building with the intention of playing every song that they had ever written or something. Yeah, and they, yeah. they, they ended up playing it a ton, but it, you, you just felt like it was a magical special occasion, you know, and, and for them to take a song like that and take that positivity and actually have a song that reflects that in their catalog, it just seemed to be the best and most appropriate version to, to, to play. All right. Well, here is the fixer from October 28th, 2009 in Philadelphia.
Well, that's um, you hit the nail on the head there, man. Uh, that that those shows, those four shows in Philly. Um, you're right. They, they, obviously, they came from a box set that everybody could have. It wasn't like a hey, if you want this thing, you can have it. Like you know, piecemeal, like everything else was. It was it was made to be a thing. Um, it came with like trading cards, the whole nine. It was a celebration, and this song is kind of a celebration. Um, I mean, to play that song in that city as the Phillies were playing the Yankees in the World Series. I mean, I think they stopped one of the nights in the middle of the set to remind the crowd of what the score was and everyone yeah, freaked did. out, you know? I mean, you had the last night of the four was Halloween and they've got Devo hats on and dressing up in, in costumes. <laughs> and uh, I think they played Sweet Lou and Bugs. I mean, that what the four nights was crazy. But you picked a great, I mean, you could have picked any one of these four because they put it at all four shows, but this one's fantastic and there's that upbeat energy to it. And, and yeah, that's, that's what you want out of a song that espouses this positivity is to have that environment to elevate it even more. I agree. It uh, featured some really interesting things too, especially at the end, you get those really interesting kind of guitar swells behind the melody. So you got the rhythm guitar going and, as this outro comes in, you you get these interesting just guitar swells, which they're not quite as prominent on the album. I don't even know if they're they're on the album. I'd have to go revisit the song, but I just thought it added a, a dynamic and I don't know, you just kinda like surfing on a wave of positivity with those things, you know? Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Well, another episode in the books. We'll be back next week with another one. And uh, until then This is the state of love and trust. Yeah.